This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We've got a lot to get to today. Adrian Heath, Minnesota United manager, will be with me here in just a little bit to set up Sunday's big playoff game against Portland and to kind of talk through a very up and down but ultimately satisfying regular season that got the Loons into the playoffs for the third year in a row. I'll have Chip Scoggins on in a little bit as well, talking lots of different things, Vikings, Gophers, Timberwolves. I get his opinions on a few key things, such as should the Gophers have benched or still benched Tanner Morgan? Are the Vikings a playoff team, and do the Wolves need a major shakeup right now? Talk a little Jose Barrios, talk about a new name for the arena in Los Angeles, and uh, and yes, talk a little bit more about Wolves at Sacramento tonight. But first, what did I miss? Wild home against San Jose, an opportunity to kind of build on the momentum created from you know both a good start to this season and a good two and one road trip. Instead, they get flattened four to one on Tuesday night, and you know I, this is a good team. I think I think we've seen enough last year and the key stakeholders holding over to this year to know that this is a good team, that this should be, barring something weird, a playoff team and one that, you know, with the right kind of combinations, with the right kind of mix, could could be even just more than that. Could be a team that actually could contend once we get into the playoffs. That said, I think some some lingering problems this season, even in the midst of what is now a 10-5 and start, are starting to creep up a little bit, uh, starting to show themselves a little bit in that game. You know, one of them being not enough production from some of their some of their really key offensive guys. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala just not having you know the types of offensive seasons that you would like them to have so far. I believe they both have three goals right now. You know, Kaprizov's got plenty of assists. Getting you know, getting on the board that way, and they're getting contributions with from plenty of other guys. You know, Ryan Hartman has seven goals. You know, Marcus Foligno seems like he scores every time he shoots, but gonna need some more from those guys as the year goes along. Actually, uh, Fiala only has two goals at this point in the season. Kaprizov has three. That's that's not enough from from those two guys. And you know, sometimes they just kind of have a, a habit of having these lapses in games. I think the key the key moment in Tuesday's game was um you know they get they get one back they they fall behind 2 nothing and you know they've made a habit of, of making comebacks but this time um that they get behind 2 nothing they get one back and then you know they get a power play after Dumba has a great check uh, Matt Dumba has a great check a uh, clean check Kagoon takes a roughing penalty on him they get a power play, but that gets wiped out right away when uh, Joel Eriksson takes a, a tripping call in the offensive zone. And then the ensuing four-on-four, four, two troubling things happened. One, Kevin Fiala loses his stick in the defensive zone, goes and retrieves it, and not with a whole lot of urgency behind the net. And that creates a, a scoring opportunity for San Jose. And on that scoring opportunity, slap shot, beautiful shot, um, Slap shot. Matt Dumba wanders right in front of Cam Talbot, right as that shot is being released. Uh, I don't even know if I don't know if Cal, I don't know if Talbot would have seen it anyway, but it gave him basically zero look at it. That goes in. That's the ball game right there. So 
you know, just just some things they need to clean up. Um, you know, maybe effort, consistent effort plays and consistent plays from their best players this year um, in order to take that next step. Now, segue, um, perhaps the only good news, um, which isn't even really good news, is if you are a Dish Network customer, you could not have watched that game. You've been without Bally Sports North for the last two-plus years. We thought that impasse might be coming to an end. With Sinclair and Dish were in heavy negotiations the last few months. Um, a lot of people thought that some extensions in those negotiations might mean the regional sports networks owned by Sinclair, including Bally Sports North, might be returning to Dish Network, the satellite provider that has more than 8 million subscribers. Sorry to report that is not the case. I wrote about this Tuesday on StarTribune.com and in Wednesday's paper. Um, that impasse is remaining. They, 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 they made a deal, but the deal did not include the regional sports networks, and it does not seem like those are ever coming back to Dish Network, at least not in this current contract. So if you have Dish Network, you are out of luck when it comes to watching the Wild, the Wolves, the Twins, anything you want to watch on Bally Sports North. And it's just really unfortunate. We've talked about this multiple times on this show the consumer is the one that's suffering in all of this greed. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have Minnesota United manager Adrian Heath back on Daily Delivery, second time appearance. Adrian, how are you? Not bad, Michael. Thank you. Good like to have you party. back. I believe the last time we talked was early in the season, and things were not uh, were not going great, as they say. Uh, you were own four. I think maybe after we talked, you'd maybe won one or two matches, but um, things certainly much better now that you have secured a spot in the postseason. Just, uh, I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but maybe just first off, like, what did this season feel like? Because it sure felt like a lot to me. Yeah, obviously we nobody envisaged the own four start that we had, and there was nothing, you know, in pre-season that made me think, hey, this could be a tough year. So we, but the one good thing is the, the resilience of the guys. I think that's one thing that stuck through. You know, after that own four start, we we had a good sit down internally and you know with everybody and just said, listen, we can't do anything about the next four. Let's just concentrate on the next one. And we managed to get a win. Then we got another win. And I think the, the next 17 games, I think there was only two teams who took more points than us, Michael, you know. So fair dues to the players. They responded really, really well. And the staff, you know, we we didn't. We try and keep it on an even keel, not not go too high when things are going well and not go too bad when things aren't going so well. So, yeah, we, we had a really good recovery, recovery from them. And then when I look at the season, you know, I think we have progressively got better. And I think that uh, getting all our best players on the field has certainly helped us, which normally helps coaches is when you get your best players on the field. I think in the last, I think it's eight games, we've taken 22 points and, you know, won six, drawn one, lost one, something like that. So drawn two and uh, lost one. So, you know, getting your good players on the field certainly helps. Now, when I want to ask you about that in a little bit. It, it it felt like when you when you do start like that 0-4 and the resilience is certainly important, but it almost feels like every game gets magnified when when you when you have that 
start? Uh, was yeah. there a certain amount of, is there, is there a toll that, that gets taken when you have to play with a certain amount of urgency for the last 30 games of a 34 game season or, or whatever it might be? Well, I, I, I certainly, I, I realized very early that we, we hadn't really given a, given ourselves a lot of room for error. You know, we were going to have to have a really good sort of last 30 odd games to, to make sure that we were, you know, going to give ourselves a chance. Um, I, I honestly think, though, Michael, if we'd had our better players fit for longer and been able to put them on the field, I don't think we'd have gone through the, the trauma that we did a couple of weeks ago with that last game against the Galaxy. You know, and and I know I'm 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 not the only coach who says it, but ultimately we we can help the situation. But you're only as good as your players that you're putting out regularly on the field. And when we've had our better players on the field, we, we look as though we can win games of football. But, you know, the, the way we, we, the world we live in now with social media, you know, I mean, you've spoke about this before. I, I don't do any social media because I know what it's like, you know, and it's, I don't want to be listening and reading what people think about me who don't even know me and have never met me and are suddenly an expert on my, my particular industry. Because it's one of the few industries that, Everybody seems to know my job better than me. And yet I have enough respect for everybody else's position not to, to think I know more than them. But that's where we live in. I think you should join Twitter, Adrian, and then before every game, put out a Twitter poll asking what formation you should use and what your starting 11 should be. Yeah, well, everybody, you know, hindsight United's never lost. And everybody I speak to says, you know, in hindsight, I go, yeah, but I haven't got hindsight. I have to pick the team two or three days before and work on the team shape. And, you know, people have always got a really good opinion of what we should have done after the event. Unfortunately for me, I don't get that, I don't get that opportunity. Did you say hindsight United? I've never heard yeah. that before. I love that. That's yeah. great. Hindsight United, never been beat. Yeah, always. Und- always. Undefeated. Yeah. Well, Minnesota United needed every last minute to get into the postseason, that game in L.A. had its share of drama. You, you know, yeah. by the time it was over, you knew what needed to – both teams knew what was at stake. What, what, did, what did it feel like? I mean, there's, pre- there's pressure games along the way, and this, this one against Portland will be just the same, if not more. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what, what did that particular – you know, when you get two teams like that where, you know, you're kind of on this decision day and yeah. you do know by the end what is at stake – um, what does it feel like to be in a regular season match like that? Well, obviously going into it, we uh, we always knew that a point, you know, a draw, a tie would have been sufficient for us. But obviously as the, the day unfolds and you're getting news through and when we had the penalty, I, I actually said to the staff, you know, hopefully we score, but if we don't, I fear the worst here because I have been through them before. You know, and they were piling men forward and obviously their desperation, they, you know, we were defending for our lives. They were throwing men in the box and it was, yeah, I could, uh, I could do without them days, Michael, to be honest with you. They're not very, they're not very nice, not good for the nerves for, for sure. But, you know, it was, uh, it was one of them days that the league probably enjoyed because, you know, we could have been fifth and then we could have been eighth and out of the play, playoffs and with the last kick of the game. And, you know, going into the last day of the season, I think there was nine teams with something to play for. So, you know, for the league and for the parity, what they try and do for the league, it was probably a great day. Not so good for the coaches 
and the coach's uh, nervous system, I would say. Now, you've made the postseason now three years in a row. Um, your doubters might not know that, but that's a, that's a fact. There's not a lot of people, not a lot of head coaches in Minnesota in the last 10, 15 years mm-hmm. in a major pro sports who can say that is, I don't imagine you coach to necessarily prove people wrong, but do you, do you feel a sense of validation, vindication, maybe the wrong word, validation for getting in and giving yourself a chance in the postseason? Well, I, I think there's, I think there's four teams that have done it in the last, there's only four teams that have done it consecutively in the last three years. And I think there's only four or five teams have done it in the last nine. So we can take a lot of pride in that. You know, I, I talk about it all the time about incrementally trying to make, move the club forward to try and get better. And um, we've had a few challenges this year with certainly with our, what I would class as our game changing players have all had sustained periods on the sidelines, whether it be Reynoso, whether it be Fragapani, whether it be Robin Lowe, and we've missed them. Um, I believe that we've got better each year, and that's shown in the results. Um, and I, as I say, I, I don't, the only people I have to prove to um, are the ownership that I come in every day and I work really, really hard to try and make the club better than it was the previous year. And we'll do that again this year. I know that when when we got everybody fit and healthy, we're, we're more than a match for anybody in Major League Soccer. But we have to go and prove that and we'll go and try and do it in Portland this weekend. When I had Ethan Finley on a, a few, two, three months ago, I had asked him about the team's identity and he was a little bit stuck trying to come up with an answer for especially what the offensive identity at that point was. And I think maybe there was a little bit of a, you guys were still getting some results, but a lot of it was defensive oriented at yeah. that point. Is that, has that identity evolved as the year gone on? Or is that, is identity kind of a fancy word for get all your players healthy and, uh, and, and you'll look a lot better. Yeah. You know, I think I'm, I'm not the only coach who knows I'm a better coach when all my best players are available. And as I said, you know, when we've had our front four available, um, I think it's uh, nine games. We've won six, we've drawn two and lost one. And that's, you know, people can take out of that what they want. They are, they are facts. I can only go on what facts are in front of me. You know, um, I think when Ethan, when you did your piece with Ethan, probably he was right at that moment in time because we didn't know what we were. We were getting results, the odd 1-0 or the 2-1 game on the back of our defensive structure. But there is two sides to the game. You know, there's not just the side with the ball, there's the side without it. And considering we've had two 4-0 defeats this year, I think we're in the top third of defensive teams in the in the MLS. So, you know, there's certain parts of our team which have stood really strong and been very consistent all the way through the year. You talked about your kind of your core players. How how do you shape up health-wise and, you know, availability-wise going into this match on Sunday against in Portland? Well, hopefully Robin Lode's just about kicked off as we speak now. They're playing uh, France today. Um, remains travelling back as we as we speak. Um, so we're hoping Mboxy and um, Yuka and Robin come back fit and healthy. If we do, we're virtually at full strength. Um, got a couple of the younger guys who are out at the moment, but you know, in terms of Robbie and Fragapani, Reynoso and, and Adrian, who now, they are all fit and healthy as of now. I'm just hoping that Robin gets through the game today. If we get them four back, 
as I've just said, the results show that we can we can win games either at home or away with that group. How do you feel like they complement each other when when they've been in those nine games that you spoke of? Um, I, I don't imagine it's all individual effort. It, it's a matter of a certain synergy. Has have what have you seen in terms of how they play off of each other? Well, I, I think the one thing that we always thought, you know, good players like playing with good players, intelligent players like playing with other intelligent players. And when they've been on the field together, they've got a really good understanding of each other's game. They've got they were really good combination players. They like to play with people. Um, and obviously we had a, a special player in Reynoso, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, in the top two or three players within the league. And on his day, probably the, the best player in Major League Soccer. So we've got a special player there now. You know, you look at Fragapani's um, contribution since he's been here, goals and assists, it's been incredible. And I think Robin's got nine goals and 21 starts this year. So, you know, it all all bodes well. I feel as though Adrian now as well is now settling in. He's certainly getting his second win. You know, people forget when we bring these players in, some of them have just done another year. They've had a full year's playing. And, you know, so we, we feel as though he's getting he's getting now in a situation where he feels settled with the rest of the group. So yeah, I'm I'm really, really pleased with the, the attacking um situation at this moment. Last soccer question for you, Portland on Sunday. Like I mentioned, it's an away match. You have won there already this year. You also yeah. defeated them at Allianz 2-0 against Portland this season. Um, I mean, in those two matches, from what you remember, what what worked? I believe it was 1-0 and 2-1. So obviously yeah. you, you were able to limit them to a certain degree. Yeah, I, I think the big difference between them games and where we are now, Michael, is the fact that they are particularly in good form. They're a little bit like us because their front four have been excellent of late. You know, they have Darwin Espria, plays wide left, big, strong and athletic player. And Sebastian Blanco has come in, come back from an ACL and is really at the ground running. And he's been the catalyst really for everything they've done. So I think that we've proved that we match up quite well with them. I don't think we've lost to him in the last four years. So, you know, we've proved that we can go there and win, which we've done on two or three occasions. But we know it's going to be tough. They're in a rich vein of form at this moment in time. And I think the result will probably come on the outcome of whose front four plays better on the day. Adrian, I always enjoy catching up with you. And whenever I do, I like to give you a chance to speak what's on your mind, other sports-wise, because I know, I know you're in season, so I don't know how much other sports you're watching <laughs> right now. But what, uh, what, do you, what do you like when you get some downtime right now? Oh, I'm a huge, huge sports fan. Um, obviously... I'm, I'm a big Texas Longhorns fan, so that's not been great this Sorry. year. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, man. exactly. Um, you know, we were all optimistic about them when the season started. Texas Texas football is not back. Is that what you're telling me? That was the... you know, I, I thought it was going to be back, but uh, I think there's been sort of little shoots of promise there. So I'll keep, keep my fingers crossed. Obviously, I've been watching all the NFL stuff, the Vikings, and it looks like the, the Wild has started really well. You know, they're top of their, their, their division. So, you know, that looks like that might be a really interesting year for them. They, they look as though they've got a really good thing going at the moment. Um, I'm not see, I'm not been to see the Timberwolves this year. I was hoping go this week, but looks like I might, might not get that opportunity. But no, like all sports, I, I love I love sports. I watch it every day. If I'm not watching football, which is generally most of the day, I'm watching something on the TV, which is sports related. 
do you commiserate with other local coaches or maybe not any local, but just like other coaches just about what it's like to be in this business? Well, I think we're all very much aware of what it is. You know, it's, it's never been tougher than it is at this moment. You know, social media is make, I said, I think it was last time I was on with you. You know, it's, it's the nightmare of every coach these days because everybody's got, not only has everybody got an opinion, everybody's got a platform to have that opinion now. So it becomes, you know, increasingly difficult for us all, but uh, ultimately it's what goes on on the field that matters. And if you can win more than you lose, you normally keep your job. If you don't, you don't keep your job. So we're pretty much all aware of where, where we stand. Well, you won more than you lost this regular season. We'll see how things shake out Sunday in Portland. Certainly an opportunity to take a good season and make it an even better one. Adrian Heath, always enjoy catching up with you and uh, best of luck Sunday, okay? Thanks, Michael. Anytime. Love catching up with Adrian Heath. I'm still cracking up, by the way, about his Hindsight United line. I think that's great. I'm going to be using that at some point. It seems like he made it up because I I can't find any references to Hindsight United online. Would love to get a Hindsight United t-shirt maybe. Um, And I don't know what song they sing after they win when you're Hindsight United, but I imagine maybe it's Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. Happy to be joined today by Chip Scoggins, columnist for the Star Tribune. Does a great job Covering a variety of things, uh, football across Minnesota keeps getting better and better. Chip enjoyed the the last one. Hope you're getting some good feedback on uh, on that whole series. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, it has re uh, reminded me um, that there are a lot of great stories out there. That we just have to go find them and tell them. Um, just a lot of cool stuff happening in the Minnesota football community. Yeah, and I love I love the fact that you be able to get out and kind of spread out. And I feel like. During, you know, during the pandemic, especially for the first like six, eight, 10 months, we kind of, we lost a little bit of that kind of storytelling ability where we just weren't able to get to people in person as much. And there's a, you know, or, you know, there was a kind of a a wall between us. And I feel like you're, you're, you're doing a good job of helping to break down that wall at this point. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that that was the, uh, obviously there were many challenges with, with uh, the pandemic, but um, not having kind of the face-to-face uh, interaction and not all these things are face to face. I would of course be straight up about that, but um, just, and the thing I, I have enjoyed about this is obviously we're going to focus on the Vikings and Gophers primarily. They get them, you know, 99% of the attention probably, but um, to be able to, you know, get the, the state's colleges, um, the NSIC and the MIAC and all the wonderful stories in high school football and, um, and just all around this, the state and, you know, today's column led with uh, Tom Sawyer, the Winona State uh, coach who's retired after 25 years at the helm there. And he goes out with a win and just a really cool guy. Um, it's the first time I've had a chance to talk to him. Uh, sadly, you know, I've been here 20, almost 22 years, but that's the first time I had a chance to talk to him and just a really, uh, really get, great guy who's uh, beloved in that community for not only what he does for the for the football program, but just in the community and, and the, the school. So, um, so it's been, it's been fun to be able to tell those kinds of stories. And now that you say that, I feel kind of bad because I got three things I want to talk to you about. And two of them are Vikings and Gophers. Yeah, that's right. No, no, this is, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, let's start with, let's start with Gophers. Cause I feel like they're pretty interesting right now. Um, you know, two weeks ago, they're sitting at six and two, 
Um, you got Illinois up on the schedule. They're you know, two touchdown favorite. You're thinking, okay, in a pretty good position here, you know, leading the Big Ten West. And they lose the Illinois game. Obviously, they play much better, but still lose in Iowa. Now four and three. Um, I'm going to play a little game called in or out with you. And I'm going to start with Tanner Morgan. And I know he's someone you've written about extensively who you've told his, you know, his off field story really, really well, the on-field play this season and even last season, not even close to the standard he set in 2019. There's been at least questions asked about whether he should still be the starter. And PJ Fleck even had to address that on Monday um, in or out chip, are you still in on Tanner Morgan as the starting quarterback for the Gophers? I will say in while acknowledging that he is, he's played poorly and I don't think they're going to part of the reason why I say in is because you got two games left. And I don't know with this offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Sanford jr. That, uh, you're going to see a noticeable uptick with the quarterback play. Cause they've just basically ignored it all year. Um, they, Going into the Iowa game, Mike, the only three teams that have attempted fewer passes than the Gophers in college football of the 130 are the three service academies. So let's take them from out of the discussion because they run the triple option. They don't even try to throw the ball. They're not really in the same category. So no team in college football has thrown fewer passes than the Gophers. I don't know that you can ask your quarterback just to flip a switch and be an accurate quarterback. You have to nurture it. You have to get them in a rhythm. You have to – have some semblance of a balance. I know you want to be a prior, uh, predominantly run team, but it's not like you can run 12 state run, 12 consecutive running plays. And then the pressure that puts on the quarterback to say, okay, you get one pass and then we're going to run it seven more times. It just doesn't work that way. And so that's not to absolve Tanner because his accuracy is just gone. You can tell watching him. He has no confidence. Um, his accuracy, what we saw in 2019 when he had two NFL wide receivers throwing the ball too, which makes a huge difference. Um, I don't know that if you, whatever quarterback you're going to put in here, if they're going to operate the same way with this system that they're going to be, they might be more effective to give you a spark, but with two games left, you're playing Indiana, which is the worst big 10 team um, by record. And then you have Wisconsin at home. And, and by doing that, I think um, I'm just probably putting words in the PJ's head. But I think he would be in that way acknowledging or suggesting that everything is one guy's fault. And if you, if you make a quarterback switch, I think you're saying, well, it's Tanner's fault, everything else. And that, that's not the case. I, I put as much blame, if not more blame, on the coordinator. I think that's fair. And it gets to two questions that kind of are an offshoot of that. One, how much of a mistake – I guess a couple things. One, should they have made a move earlier this year because you know Tanner Morgan wasn't playing great earlier this year, although – the record for the team was was pretty good, so maybe hard to do that. Or B is the greater problem this year that when they had winnable games or more soft competition, that they didn't develop this passing game more in in game settings. That's where the fault lies. Um, you know, you're not going to make a quarterback switch when you're winning. They win four in a row, and you're six and two and leading the West. So you're not. You're not. But it, they neglected it, and we said this all along: is that you can win that way against certain teams, you know, uh, Purdue, Northwestern, Nebraska, that formula has been successful. You can finish the games running. Uh, was it Nebraska where they had 25 straight runs um, to end the game? 
And that's, that's great. I mean, if you don't have to pass it, PJ's philosophy is, okay, we'll just keep running it. However, if you don't, if you neglect the passing game and it's just every so often and sprinkled in a pass here, a pass there, and you're only throwing the ball 16 times, when, when it comes time when you're going to need that and you're going to need to be efficient in the pass game, if you neglect it and then all of a sudden, that's what I'm saying, is it's not a light switch. It's not like, okay, now, now be an accurate passer. We know we haven't asked you to do anything all year or very minimal, and now you need to go be an effective passer and receivers, you need to catch the ball when you're not, you're getting maybe one pass thrown to you, two passes, three, you know, a game. I don't think it works like that. I, I've talked to a number of several uh, call, guys who played college quarterback, and they told me it's like that puts so much stress on the quarterback if you think, okay, once every 10 plays or once every 13 plays, you get to throw the ball. It's just, a lot of pressure on to maximize that one throw. And so I think them neglecting it and just being so one, one handed all year, put them in this position. And that's not to absolve uh, Tanner of criticism. He just hasn't been well, but I don't think that they put him in a, in a position um, to be effective. That seems like a good segue to the Vikings who maybe at various points this year have been rightfully accused of being too conservative, not leaning enough on the passing game. I feel like that changed. I feel like they had perhaps maybe their best run-pass balance and their best offense-defense balance in that win over the Chargers. Now, it's just one game, but you kind of look at – you eyeball the NFC, and with that extra playoff game and with nobody really – you know, jumping up and, and claiming that that very last spot. I mean, it's Carolina's right now, but the Vikings are only a half game behind that, and they've already beaten Carolina. Chip, in or out, are the Vikings a playoff team this year? I'll say in. I think with having the extra playoff team um, increases their chances considerably. When you look at the NFC, like you said, nobody's really jumping up and taking that. And I'm in if they keep the formula that we saw on Sunday. I'm in if they're going to not ignore Justin Jefferson. If you throw him, if you target him three times a game, that you're going to lose probably, right? I mean, throw it to your best player. And that, that game, uh, Sunday in L.A., their best players were their best players. Jefferson, Dalvin, Cousins, Thielen, Eric Kendricks. I mean, they made, you know, the game-changing plays. And so um, – Provided they don't have any more, you know, if they don't lose Cousins to the COVID thing, we can't factor in. But if if they get guys back healthy and get, uh, you know, Harrison back and, um, you know, some guys back in there, I think they found – it shouldn't even have been an epiphany, but it felt like they, they, they phrased it as an epiphany, like, oh, we need to get the ball to Jeff, Justin Jefferson more. It's like, well, everybody – 5 million Minnesotans have been screaming that for – three weeks for a month. So if they keep that formula, I think they're a playoff team. Do coaches just outthink themselves sometimes or just get into, uh, how well, do you, how do you, how do you forget to get the ball to your best playmaker? Well, here's the thing. I One think it's, I think it's, um, I think a lot of it goes on the quarterback because on those games where he, where uh, Jefferson wasn't targeted a lot. I think he had only nine targets over the last, the previous two games we would hear cousins say, well, they had shell coverage or an umbrella coverage, or they played him deep or we, you know, they, they tried. What I think he found was, and I think the encouragement from either Zimmer and or Clint Kubiak was, and we've seen it. If he's covered, throw him the ball. He's going to make a play. I mean, how many of those 
Um, he's not, he's probably not going to be in a wide open window where he's just like, Hey, throw me the ball here. He's Jefferson and Thielen too. We've seen them make a number of contested catches, 50, 50 balls going up and and making play. And so it, it comes back to the quarterback cutting it loose and not playing it safe and saying, okay, he might be covered instead of saying, I'm just going to check it down to Conklin. You know what? I'm going to allow Jeff Jefferson to make me right to go make a play. And we saw that in crunch time. So I think it's, it's one, it's scheme. It's, it's reminder that, you know, uh, Hey, you got, you got to involve your best players, but it's also, it comes back to the quarterback realizing you can't play it safe all the time. If, if he's open, you still have to feel like he's going to be able to make it, or if he's, if he's covered or a guy's near him, you have to trust that he's going to make the play because he's just a special talent. And I think we saw that last one for you, chip got some feelings on this one as well. Timberwolves started the year three and one. They are one and eight since then. Um, most recent loss played pretty well. I mean, Phoenix is a good team. They played pretty well in that game, but again, didn't execute in the final three, four minutes. They lose that one on Monday night by three at target center. Got some more winnable games uh, up ahead. Um, but we said that about the early part of their schedule too. And they didn't win a lot of yeah. those games. Do they, is there something bigger going on here aside from just a, you know, a young team that still hasn't played together much? Do you, or do you like, do you, do you feel like they just need more time or do you feel like they need a, a jolt right now to get them right? Where do you even start with this franchise? Mike? <laughs> I don't know, um, Chip. <laughs> I mean, there is a history of dysfunction and losing there that is hard to get past. And you can keep saying, let's make a change. Let's give them a jolt. Um, but when, it, when it's gone on this long, I don't know that if you're more, you're just rearranging the furniture there. Um, but they do have to figure out a way to win. And you watched that fourth quarter last night. Chris Paul and Devin Booker knew how to win. This Timberwolves team did not know how to win. I mean, you had... D'Lo with a wide open three, you got to make it. I mean, you can't go one for 10. Yeah, you have to make it. And I understand, you know, part of the problem is if you want Towns to be your number one option, it's hard when he's your center in late games because a lot of times you want the ball, I mean, guards have the ball in their hands and and they're going to take the shots. Um, And so, but for him not to get shots down down the stretch there, I don't, I think his last two minutes he didn't get a shot when he was on fire and playing well. Um, Anthony Edwards obviously made a mistake trying to back the ball out to the, to the three point line there and lost control of it. He should have just tried to score there. Right. Um, you know, I don't know that D is the guy I want with the ball in their hands, uh, a hundred percent of the times. Cause I just, you know, I'm just not sold on him. He's, he's just, you know, I, I, I think, um, he, you know, occasionally he'll hit a shot. He'll he'll get hot, but um, is he a winning player in the way that you need him to be in crunch time? I don't I don't know. We can sit here and say that. I don't think we can. Well, I know we can. So, but is trading him and bringing you know disrupting the the you know the plan or whatever it is the answer? I don't know. I it, it, that organization has been so screwed up for so long. <laughs> it's hard to even know where to begin with them, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I think I want to see what happens in the next 10, 15 games here, but it's, it's going to get dicey this year. If, if this, I mean, this is a team that 
expects to at least contend for a play-in spot that feels like it should be in that 35 to 40 win kind of window this year. And I feel like that's a reasonable expectation with the roster and the talent they have. If they're on a pace for more like 25 to 30 by the trade deadline, uh, it's going to get really interesting. Well, I thought going into, I thought 37 wins seemed like, wasn't outlandish. I thought that was, you know, a fair number. Um, And then you watch them beat Milwaukee and you're thinking, okay, you, you see this. And then to go on and lose, was it six straight? And just the manner in which they did and just uh, offense, no flow. And the constant complaining and flapping their arms at the official drives me crazy with it. I mean, Cat is the biggest um, one that does it. And it's just, just play, you know? I mean, I'm, I don't know that you're helping the cause doing that. Um, but then he played great, you know? It, it, he got hot and he made shots. And you see, that's what's so frustrating about this team is like, you see the flashes of it, Mike. You see the spurts even a game where they'll pop up and play well, but the lack of consistency and maturity, and we've been talking about this for how many years where they'll have a good win and then just lay an egg for two, three games, just the lack of maturity in those situations. Um, it, it just, it's infuriating, but is it so infuriating that you're willing to just blow it up and start over? And then, you know, I mean, that's, then you're starting over. I mean, how many, how many times have they done that? So I, I don't know what the right answer is. Now the constant, I mean, let's be honest, the constant in all that losing aside from the year, Jimmy Butler is here is Carl Anthony towns. And I guess correct. We, what? Yeah, correct. And, and I don't know that. Um, I think if it's going to be where they want to be, I think it's going to have to be Anthony Edwards as the number one face of the, like his team. And it, that's not to say that, we get caught up in the, his team versus his team, this guy's team. But I think Edwards needs to be your number one option in playoff and cat can be, and it's not to say cats never going to shoot or get the ball, but I think, you know, in those situations versus having it in Delo's hands, I think I'd rather have it and he's going to fail sometimes, but you know what, that's part of the process and, and let him grow through that. Um, you know, the trial and error of doing it. I just don't know if all three of those guys can be happy in an arrangement like that, but I guess that's uh that's an answer for the rest of the year. They've got uh, Sacramento coming up Wednesday night. We'll see if it gets any better. Chip Scoggins, good stuff. Always love to catch up with you. We'll, uh, we'll do this again soon, all right? All right, thanks, brother. See you. Like Chip and I talked about, Wolves, another chance to get better. Tonight playing Sacramento at Target Center. That's a, you know, it's an important game if you're the Wolves because if you fancy yourself a play-in contender, and at four and nine, I'm not sure if that's even a realistic path right now, but we'll we'll see. Um, Sacramento's a team you're going to have to beat, especially in home games um, this season. Now the Wolves just got off of a West Coast trip. Let's finish with the cooler. They played two games at Staples Center against the um, Lakers and uh, the Clippers. Those teams sharing Staples Center. Staples Center apparently will be renamed Crypto.com Arena. Yes, Crypto.com Arena. What's even more perplexing, I guess, about that is that uh, in 2009, Staples signed a lifetime agreement to have naming rights on that building, but I guess $700 million over 20 years, which is what the LA Times is reporting this deal with Crypto.com is, sells a lot. So... Yeah, get used to uh, get used to all sorts of futuristic names going on buildings. 
if you uh, if you don't like it, uh, I guess the future is coming faster than we think. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery today. Good stuff coming up later this week. Sarah McClellan on Thursday show to talk more wild in depth. Mark Craig on Friday talking NFL picks and the Packers versus the Vikings. Maybe another surprise guest or two along the way as well. Again, thanks for joining me. We'll be back at it again on Thursday.